0: If you would, uh, hopefully you have your Bibles with you today. You could open up to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to be finishing out the chapter this morning. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 20 to 26. And as uh, you're turning there, uh, I will read uh, what Paul has to say to us. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 20 to 26. Paul writes to Timothy and to us this. says, in a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he'll be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the, call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work within us as your as your people, as individuals and as a church, and that you would equip us and that you'd strengthen us and that you'd use us. I pray that you would make us useful for the Master on a daily basis. We give this to you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. morning. It's so great to see you all this morning. I pray that you're doing well. I know it was a a very hard week for some of you, uh, but we will not mention that, okay? Uh, We will not mention that, Bob. Uh, You're safe and sound uh, and a a group of people that love you, but we will not mention uh, the the, the aftermath of last Sunday's Super Bowl uh, game. But uh, it's so good to see you all this morning. Uh, This coming June is an important June for myself, all right? Uh, It's actually not just for me, but Amy and I will be married 20 years in June. Yes, Amy is getting old, all right? Uh, I am not Uh, But we will be married 20 years this June, all right? And with that said, I think at the 20-year mark, I can say that marriage is hard, all right? Marriage is hard. I will give you an example. In our house, uh, for the time, the whole time that we have been married, I think, there's always been a towel hanging on the stove. How many of you have a towel that hangs on the stove in in the kitchen, right? Most people do, okay? In our house, it's usually two towels sometimes three all right depending on what's going on all right the only problem is this i never know what towel to use right right i see bob shaking his head he's with me because sometimes the towel that is hanging on the stove you can't use right you can't use it right it's not supposed to be used as a towel even though it's a towel you have to use the other towel which is a towel Right? Well, you can use that one to dry your hand or wipe the counter, whatever the case may be, but you can't use the other one, right? Now, you would think my wife would leave me a sticky note or something telling me what towel I can or cannot use, but she doesn't do that, right? Because if you use the wrong towel, what happens? You're in trouble, right? Bob's giving me this, right? Things are over with, right? You're in trouble, right? That towel that you cannot use has a special task. It has a special job, a noble job. Did you know that? And you know what the noble job for that towel is? It is to look good, right? It is to look good. It's not to do the job of the towel which it was created for, which was drying things. No, 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 no. That is too low of a job for this towel. This towel has a noble purpose, a higher purpose. The men are going like this, Because they all know, right? The ladies are laughing because they all know, right? That's how marriage is, right? We cannot dirty that towel. You can't do it, right? It gets really confusing. It's much like a parlor. How many of you remember a parlor, right? A parlor was the front room of the house. And you know what was in the parlor? Furniture. But you know what you couldn't do? Sit on the furniture, right? What was the job of the furniture for you to sit on? Absolutely not. Much higher Noble task, and that was to look at it because it looked nice. You couldn't sit on it, right? Same concept. Now, some of you might be thinking, what does this have to do with 2 Timothy chapter 2? The pastor must have used the wrong towel this week and got yelled at, right? Nope, I I didn't use the wrong towel because here's why. I have my own system. Uh, When I find out the correct towel, when I put it back on the stove, I crunch it up and fold it wrong. So I know that it's the correct towel to use later on, right? So I have my own system, right? So I didn't get in trouble, right? But the reason I bring that up this morning is because that is kind of where Paul's mind is going in our text today. Paul talks to Timothy about vessels of honor, vessels of dishonor. And he calls Timothy and you and I to cleanse ourselves so that we can be vessels of honor useful for the master. That you and I should not be settling to be ignoble vessels, but to be the noble vessel for the Lord to use. And so let us get into this this morning and see what the Lord has for us. And so we have to start talking about useful vessels. Paul says this in verse 20 and 21. He says, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself for the latter, he'll be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. And so what Paul does here is he uses an analogy. He uses a picture, and he's done that a lot through 1 Timothy. Fan in the flame is a, is a picture that we talked about. He used a picture of an athlete and a farmer, right? He's used a picture of a soldier. So he's used pictures throughout 2 Timothy so far. And here he uses another one. And he goes, Timothy, in a large house, there's articles or vessels, or you could even use the word utensils of gold and silver, but some are wood and clay. And he goes, some of those vessels, some of those instruments are for noble purposes. Some are for ignoble. I got this is not in my notes. How many of you have ever heard the word ignoble before? Anybody? Some of you, right? I go. I go, I have no idea what this is. I had Amy read this. She goes, ignoble. I've never heard that before. And so I'm glad 98% of you are on the same playing field. I I never heard that word, ignoble. So what is noble and ignoble? Think of honor and dishonor, all right? Have that in in your mind this morning as we're looking at that. And so Paul goes, some of these are for honorable use. Some of them are for, you know, dishonor. They're not as highly used as as you would right and so paul goes in a large house so what's the large house most likely the large house that paul has in his mind for this picture is the church because the church is the family of god god is our father those that are in christ are brothers and sisters in christ and as the author of hebrews tells us that jesus is our big brother and so the church is this large house. Now, if you go into a large house, what are you going to find? Most likely a lot of stuff, right? Large house has a lot of stuff in it. And that's what Paul is saying here all sorts of things. That word, vessels or articles or instruments, if you would, depending on the translation you have, is a very, very broad term. It could speak to just about anything in your house. For example, It could speak to gold silverware. It could speak to the special china that you only bring out on special occasions, okay? It could speak to the shovel that's out in the garage. It could speak to the screwdriver that you have in the junk drawer. It could speak to the paper plate. It could speak to the garbage can. It could speak to the toilet brush. And so it's a very broad word that is just talking about vessels or instruments, utensils in the house that are used. And therefore, Paul says some of that is for gold and silver used for noble purposes. Some of it is wood and clay for ignoble purpose, right? You're not going to use the garbage can or the shovel to serve food off of, right? Different purposes. That's what Paul is talking about there in this picture. And he goes, something of noble use would be like the nice towel hanging from the stove for decoration. You got that? The nice towel hanging on the stove is noble purposes. The ignoble one would be the towel that is all ripped up and you used on the bottom of the cooler to soak up like meat juices or something like that because you can't use the new towel for that, right? And if you're asking why would you put meat in a cooler, see me afterwards because that's what you do when you barbecue, all right? Trust me, I know what towels to use and not to use. Uh, We won't get into that right now, right? So here's my question. If you had people coming over to your house, what towel are you putting on the stove? The nice one or the all ripped up one? Nice one. Most men won't care, but ladies, you'll care, right? You're the, the nice towel is going on the stove, right? So, what Paul is saying is this, and there's a little bit of a debate on this, but in the church, Paul is saying there's many people, many vessels, many instruments, if you would, that would be us, and that we belong to the Lord. And He has a task for all of us, He has a task for you, He has a purpose for you. For some, their task is more up front and more often. Others, their task is more behind the scenes or not as much. But his analogy goes deeper than that. It tells us, shows us that some vessels, some Christians, are very useful to the Lord and some, well, are not.
1: You got to get that.
0: That some Christians are very useful to the Lord and other Christians are not. What do I mean by that? Well, notice I'm not saying valuable or worthy or loved. I'm not saying that. I'm using the word useful. There are believers who work hard for the Lord. And there are believers in Christ that do not work hard for the Lord. There are those who are good soldiers. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I asked Bob, I go, Bob, when somebody is in the service, does that automatically make them a good so- soldier? And he goes, no. So there's good soldiers, and then there's just soldiers. They're, they're, they're bad, they're indifferent. And so some followers of Christ are good soldiers, and some are not. There are those who, by the way, they live their lives, are very, very useful for God. They're very useful for the master. But at the same time, there are believers. Because of the way they live their daily lives, they are not very useful for God. Now, they can become useful, as we'll see in a second. They can be used mightily and for noble purposes, as Paul says. It's not because God does not want to use them. It's not because God does not love them, that he does not care for them, or does not think they're worthy. Not any of that. God does love them. They are worthy and valuable in Christ. But because of the way they are living their lives, they're not very valuable. They're not very, well, excuse me, they're not very useful for the Lord. And this is why Paul says what he says next. He goes, if a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument, a vessel for noble purposes. Notice what Paul is telling us there. He says, if a man or woman cleanses himself, he will be. So if you will be, that means you're going from the ripped up towel to the, to the more noble Tao. you will be. You're going from not as useful to being very useful. It's a process that you can be useful. Paul goes on to say, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Do you see that phrase there?
1: i use my fancy red dot. Useful to the master. I phrased it
0: out to me this week. Sat downstairs on Tuesday night waiting for a Bible study group to get here and working on this and useful to the master.
1: Do you want to be useful to the master?
0: That kind of goes back to what we talked about last week of having the motivation to please the Lord to live for him. But do you have a desire to be useful to God and for God? I want to be useful for the Lord. And our desire, your desire, should be to be useful to the Master. That every day you wake up, you go, Lord, I I want to be useful to you today. How am I to be used by you and for you today? And I love the picture of God in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, Jesus tells us that the Father is the gardener. God's a gardener, going by that example, that picture. See, you and I are not the gardener in our lives. We're not. You know what we are? We're not even the vine because Jesus says he's the vine in that picture. You and I are the instruments, the vessels that the gardener picks up to do his work where and how he decides to do it. We are his tools that he uses for his purposes. And in light of that, You and I should want to be useful for God. Do you? Do I? Do we? It's a question that right off the bat, and I sat there Tuesday going, do I want to be useful for the master? And I thought about it. I go right off the bat, I go, yes, I do. But then I had to think about it. I go, does my life actually show that I want to be useful for God? Like I just can't have that, well, I'm a pastor, so of course I want to be useful for God. I'm like, no, like, do I really want to be useful for God? Because if we want to be useful for the Lord, it involves three things. If we want to be useful for the master, it means three things. And first off, it means this. Notice it says this towards the end. If a man cleanses himself for the latter, he'll be an instrument for noble purposes made holy. See, that's the first thing about an instrument that is useful for the Lord. It's made holy. And holy doesn't ultimately, first off, mean perfection. It means set apart. It means other, otherly. It means different. And so we're to be set apart. To be useful for the Master means we are to be set apart. We're to be set apart from sin. We're to be set apart from the things of this world. We're to be set apart unto the Lord not this world that we're living in. We need to be set apart from the sin that entangles us. We need to be set apart from the things that hinder us and keep us in the world instead of following the Lord. We need to be set apart. We need to be holy. And in Christ, you are declared holy. But you still need to live up to that and show that in your daily life. And so the first part of a useful tool for the masters: you need to be set apart. But there's a second thing. And the second thing is this. It says, useful to the master. I already pointed that out to you. So what do you think the second thing is in order to be useful? Now you might say, useful.
1: Not. Nah. It's submissiveness. Useful to the master. In order to be useful to God, we need to be submissive. We need to submit ourselves over to the Lord. We need to submit our wants, our
0: desires, our needs, our glory, our reputation, all of it. We we need to submit it over to God. Because if we don't submit and realize that we belong to God, then we're going to live for ourselves And we will not be useful for God. Scripture tells us, and we forget about this all the time, that you have been bought with Christ. You have been purchased by Christ through His blood, through His life, through His death, resurrection. You have been purchased by Jesus. Which means we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to God. He is our Master. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our King. He is our Master. And so we need to submit to our master. And if we are not submissive to the Lord, then we're not going to be useful. And here's why. The third aspect of a useful vessel is prepared to do any good work. Are you
1: prepared to do any good work? What that means is this. You will do anything that God wants you to do what it means. I go to physical therapy three days a week. Okay?
0: Every time I go, there is I believe an Asian lady who is about five foot three. I'm not kidding on that. I really think she's five foot three. Always standing on one of the same three street corners with a sign telling people to repent and turn to Jesus. She stood there the other day in the rain with an umbrella over her head and she stands there for hours. I'm not saying that is the best way to share the gospel. What I am saying is would you be willing to stand in the rain for a couple hours holding a sign telling people that they need to repent and turn to Jesus if that is what God wanted you to do? Far too often in our lives, we go, Lord, I will do stuff for you if it falls into this category of five things, maybe six. But if it's not one of these five or six things, Lord, then I'm not, I, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. And so when we're not submissive and go, God, every, it, it's all you then we're not going to be prepared to do anything, any good work. God can call you at any moment on any given day to do anything that he wants you to do. Because he's the gardener and we are his tools. And I'll be honest with you, you know those little hand-soother thingies that you cut flowers with? I've used those to dig a hole with, right? So they're not made for that, but as the gardener that day, that's what I chose to use to do that. Are you prepared to do anything that God wants you to do? Even if it's lower than what you think you should be doing. I'll give you a sports analogy. A useful useful player is a player who says this I just wanna play. I wanna be on the team. Give me whatever jersey, give me whatever number, and put me at any position. I'll do whatever it takes for me to be on the team. I just wanna be on the team and play. That's a useful player. An unuseful player is someone who goes like this. I will only wear that jersey. I will only wear that number. I will only play that position. And I will only play that position two days a week. That player is not very useful. But that's what we do to God. And we wonder why God doesn't use us. Because we're not very useful. Because we don't submit ourselves. And we won't do what He wants us to do. For you and I to be useful to the Lord, you need to be willing to do anything God wants you to do wherever he wants you to do it. God wants you to teach, to teach. But it's not in my wheelhouse. It doesn't matter if God wants you to do it. God wants you to do it. It's automatically in your wheelhouse. God wants you to visit people. Go visit people. Whatever the case may be, a useful vessel is one set apart for the Lord, submissive to the Lord, And is willing to do any good work the master calls for us to do. Is that you? Is that us? Do we want to be used by God? Do you want to be used by God? And the reason I'm asking you that is you need to answer that. Because if you say no to that, then we have a problem. And the problem is this. If you say no to those questions, then there's a spiritual battle going on between you and me.
1: You want to know why? Because I'm constantly praying for you, for us, to be useful to God. Every Sunday, I walk around and I touch every single one of these pews. For minutes, I'll do this. And I'll pray for you
0: by name, by face, I have prayed for people that don't even sit in these pews anymore. I pray for the people that will sit in these pews that I don't even know of yet. And part of my prayer is, Lord,
1: use us. Use the people sitting in these pews.
0: Give us a desire to be useful. And so if you don't want to be useful to God, I'm praying that you would be useful to the Lord. And so there's a bit of a... a, 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 A battle going on.
1: I'm going to keep praying. And we'll see what happens. We should
0: want to be useful to God. We should want to be useful for God on a daily basis. But here's the thing. Your usefulness to God depends upon your cleanness. Or your cleanliness. Do you get that? Your usefulness is dependent upon your cleanliness. Because not only do we need to be a useful vessel, we need to be a cleansed vessel. We're going to be looking at verses 21 to verse 26, but in verse 21 we read this, if a man cleanses himself for the latter, He will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the Master, and prepared to do any good work. We've read that. We've looked at most of that. But notice what Paul says at the start of it. He says, if a man, or some of you have, therefore, if a man cleanses himself from the latter. Well, what is the latter? We'll get to that in a couple moments. But here was the struggle for me. We don't clean ourselves.
1: Paul says if a man cleanses himself, but we don't clean ourselves. Jesus and the Holy Spirit cleanses us. Jesus makes us a new creation, not us.
0: We don't do that. We don't get to clean up our lives first and then come to Jesus. We we can't do that. We can't clean our lives. It's a complete and total work of God. And that is correct in salvation. When it comes to salvation, we do nothing because we can do nothing. It's all work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We cannot clean up ourselves in order to come to the Lord for our salvation. Jesus does all of that. Well, Paul is not talking about salvation in these verses. Paul is talking to and about believers who are already in the house of God. Remember I told you a large house, he's talking about the church. He's talking to Timothy. Timothy's already a believer. He's he's not talking about salvation here. Paul is talking about growing in Christ. Becoming more like Christ. Sanctification, if you will. Being set apart and becoming more like Jesus. Now here's the thing. This, too, is a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works within you, empowers you, strengthens you, transforms you, changes you, equips you. He does all of that within you. But here's the deal. You need to engage, in with, you need to engage with the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is this. You need to come alongside of the Holy Spirit and take responsibility for your walk with Jesus. That you and I, we need to say yes to and do the things that God is calling us to do. We need to say no to and repent of the things that we ought not to be doing. Far too many times we sit back and go, God, here I am. And then we don't do anything. There's no daily reading of Scripture. There's no prayer. There's no corporate worship. There's no looking for ways to serve God on a Sunday, a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday. There's none of that. And then we sit back and go, God, why aren't you doing anything within me? And God's going, well, I want to, but you're you're not moving. You're not doing anything. And so we have to take responsibility to do the things that God is calling us to do in our daily lives. That is what Paul is talking about, that we engage with the work of the Holy Spirit. That we need to have a desire there to be clean and to be useful to the Lord. Because guess what? If that desire is there, then you're going to take the horse by the reins. And you're going to need to do what you need to do to become more like Jesus and become more useful to the Master. So here's the question. What
1: do we need to do to be cleansed?
0: Well, there's a lot to that. Paul gives Timothy three things here. And I think it's because Timothy was struggling maybe with these three things. That these three things are in and around the life of the church in Ephesus. And so that's why Paul gives Timothy these three things. So Timothy, if you're going to cleanse yourself, this is what you have to do. This is what you need to clean. This is how you need to clean yourself, Timothy. And the first is this. Flee from and flee to. Verse 22. Paul says this. Flee the evil desires of youth. And pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. How do we cleanse ourselves? We flee from something, and we flee to something. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is this. Paul goes, flee from the evil desires of your youth. How many of you have ever seen the movie Fugitive? Right? Right? I never have, but that just popped in my head, right? How many of you know what a fugitive is, right? If not, watch On Patrol Live in Wilkes-Barre. It's quite eye-opening, okay? I actually had a friend on it a couple of weeks ago for good reasons, right? I never, <laughs> good reasons, right? Which was quite funny. I never thought he'd be on there, but it was good reasons. He wasn't being arrested or anything. Um, the word flee means to run. That's what a fugitive does, right? A fugitive is somebody who is on the run. Do you know the Greek word that is used there in verse 22 for the word flee? It's the Greek word that we get our English word fugitive from. It literally means be on the run. Keep running. So when Paul says flee from evil desires of your youth or youthful desires, he says run from them. Keep running from these. Don't stop, Timothy. Just keep running. You're on the run from youthful desires, Timothy. What are youthful desires? Now, youthful desires, I'll point out to you in a second, but you need to realize that youthful desires do not just trip up young people. And just so you know, a lot of people think Timothy's in his 30s right now. Okay? He's a young guy. Youthful desires don't just trip up young people. It trips up everybody of every age. So what are youthful desires that are evil? Well, sexual immorality, pride, power, authority, reputation, fame, money, the desire for money, the desire of being known, all those things. I'm pretty sure you have a good idea what youthful desires are because you're all young ones. Some of you still are young. I'm going to still hold on to that. I'm young, right? But that is quickly fading. We have an idea what youthful desires are. And they trip up people of all ages. And Paul says, Timothy, for you to be clean, for you to be
1: useful to the master, you need to run from these things. So here's my question. What do you need to run from that keeps getting you dirty and all grimed up And it's keeping you from being useful to God. There's something you need to be running from that you're not running from. You need to run from it. You need to flee from it.
0: But here's the thing though. It's not just a running away from something. You need to run to something. We need to replace bad habits with a pursuit. We need to run from those things, but then to run to... Righteousness, Timothy says. So run from those things, flee from those things, and then run to the righteousness. Well, what is righteousness? Well, for today and in this, this text, righteousness simply is this. Doing the right thing. And God is the one that gets to determine what the right thing is. Not you, not the president, not the school teacher, not you know, the person down the street, not your uncle in the garage. That They don't get to determine what the right thing is. God gets to determine the right thing. Why? Because he's God. And so to pursue righteousness is to look at every area of your life, your marriage, your your parenting, your work, your schedule, your finances, all of your life, and go, I'm going to pursue righteousness in every area and do what is right with God, what God is telling me is right. I'm going to flee from those things and pursue righteousness. But not only am I going to pursue righteousness, he goes, I'm going to pursue faith. He goes, run from those things and run to faith. What is faith there? Faith there speaks more to faithfulness, trustworthiness, integrity. That's what he's talking about with the word faith. Loyalty to God, His Word, His people. That we need to pursue that. If a tool is not faithful, how can it be useful? I used to have a car that would turn off whenever it wanted to. Even when I was driving it. The same car the windshield wipers would break and stop working whenever they wanted to. Happened to be once in the cross valley. The same car, every once in a while, would smoke from the ignition when I put the key in it. How faithful do you think that car was? Not very faithful. I couldn't depend upon it. How useful do you think it was because of its faithfulness? Not very useful, right? And so a lack of faithfulness, a trustworthy, a de- dependability, integrity, when we lack those things, we can't be faithful.
1: We can't be useful. You see, if you keep telling God no, then you're
0: not very useful to him. If you don't keep your word, you're not very useful. If we don't do what we say we're going to do, if we're never around, if we just stop doing what we were doing without talking to somebody, there's no faithfulness in that. Because there's no faithfulness, there's not much usefulness. But not only are we to pursue righteousness and faith, he goes on to say we're to pursue love. And that word love there is agape. It's self-sacrificial love. It's love of the will. Not emotions. Not emotions at all. But I'm going to will myself. I'm going to choose to love and pursue love. Because that's what God tells me to do. Then he goes, goes, pursue peace. Peace is kind of the opposite of youthful desires, isn't it? He goes, pursue peace. Run for peace. Are you pursuing peace in your life and the things in your life that you're doing? Because that's what God tells us to do. He goes, pursue peace peace. He goes, so in order to cleanse yourself, you need to flee from these things, and then flee to, or run to those things. Because if you only run from those things, the evil desires, guess what? If you don't replace them with godliness and things that God wants you to be doing, you're just going to replace them with other sin. That's all you're going to do. That's why it has to be a flee from and a flee to. But we're also, and I love this, I thought about doing a whole sermon on this one line, but I decided not to. To pursue all of this along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Run the godly community. Run from those sinful things and run to godly community. Run with those who are running to and for Jesus. This is what Paul means back in verse 21 when he says, cleanse yourself from the latter. If you want to be a noble vessel? Separate yourself from ignoble vessels. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. If you wanted to stop eating donuts, would you hang out with people that ate donuts every day? No.
1: If you want to be useful to God, Why
0: do you surround yourself with people who are not useful to God? If you want to be useful to God, surround yourself with people that are useful for God, that are striving to be useful for God, because those people are going to enable you and help you and strengthen you to be useful for God. So Paul says there, we need godly community that is pushing us to be godly, clean, and useful to the Master. So how do we cleanse ourselves so that we're useful? We flee from youthful desires and passions and we run to these things. But Paul gives us something else. He goes, don't have anything, and this is verse 23, he says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. I am so glad this verse is here because I get to use the word stupid in a sermon and I don't have to feel bad about it. Those have nothing to do with stupid arguments
1: that don't matter in the end. He goes, they're foolish.
0: They're stupid. Welcome to 2023. These stupid and foolish arguments produce nothing. The only thing they produce is quarreling. And guess what? When you quarrel, you get in trouble. You want to know why? You know what happens when you start to quarrel? Your temperature goes up. Your, body, your blood pressure goes up. Your pridefulness gets going. Your anger gets going. Your selfishness gets going. Your desire to be known and seen and heard gets going. And Jesus decreases in every aspect of your life because you're trying to make yourself known. That's what happens when we quarrel. And so Paul goes, stop fighting over stupid things. Because when you fight over stupid things, guess what happens? You get dirty. How many of you would push the garbage down in the garbage can with a spatula and then use that same spatula to stir the chicken you have cooking on the stove? Any of you do that? No, why? Because the spatula gets dirty the moment it goes in the garbage can, doesn't it? As we fight and quarrel over stupid things, we dirty ourselves, and then God goes, well, how am I supposed to stir the chicken then? He goes, to cleanse yourself, Stop arguing and fighting and quarreling over stupid stuff. It doesn't matter. Well, then what are we supposed to do then? Are we supposed to just let it go? Not necessarily. Third thing to cleanse yourself. Don't quarrel, but, verses 24 to 26, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. See, the third thing is this. Paul goes, the Lord's servant, okay, that's the vessel, that's the useful servant, being used by God, set apart, ready to do any good work in the hand of the gardener, must not quarrel. You get the idea that there was quarreling going on with Timothy in the church? He goes, must not. That's a command, correct? The Bible commands us not to quarrel. Does that mean we just let the person go with their falsehood and stuff? If it's stupid, yes. Just let them go. But if it is something major, then no. You don't let it go. You just don't quarrel about it. See, this is where we get things wrong. See, we don't have to fight over things in the Scriptures. We don't have to quarrel that ruins those who listen, as we saw last week. You see, what we are to do is realize, as Paul tells us in verse 26, that if a person is not in Christ, they've been trapped by Satan. That Satan is holding them captive. That they have been entrapped by him. And our goal is not to win the argument, but to free the person from the captivity of Satan. And we forget that we will start fighting with somebody instead of realizing that Satan is holding them captive and our goal is not to win the argument but to free them from the captivity of Satan. And we do that by showing them Jesus through our words and our actions. Why? In the hopes of, as Paul tells us in verse 25, that God would grant them repentance leading them to a knowledge of truth. So you can fight and quarrel with somebody as much as you want, it's not going to free them from Satan. It will not bring them to repentance. That comes from God. God is the one that brings about repentance and forgiveness and freedom and life. Results are not up to us. Faithfulness to the person and the work of Jesus Christ and his word is up to us. And so we don't quarrel. Instead, as Paul tells us in verse 24, be kind to everyone. Who is everyone?
1: Everyone. Bob, this just came to my mind. It
0: means the Eagles fans need to be nice to the Chiefs fans. It means that the Yankee fans have to be nice to the Red Sox fans. It means the Republicans need to be kind to Democrats, and Democrats need to be kind to, Paul says, everyone. And if we stand back and we start deciding who everyone is, then we're going against the Gospels because Paul says, be kind to everyone. Because don't quarrel, be kind to them. Remember the love that Jesus showed Judas and yet, like, I don't like you. And we're miserable to them because they don't agree with us on something. He says, be kind to everyone. And then what he said, able to teach them, not resentful. Mark that down. How often are you resentful towards the person or the people that don't agree with you? If you're like me, you're resentful against them a lot because they're not agreeing with you. Paul says don't do that don't be resentful
1: you see we quarrel because we get resentful
0: Paul goes no don't be resentful but verse 25 he must notice the command he must gently instruct well don't quarrel don't be resentful be kind and gentle far different than the in-your-face arguing that takes place in and outside of the church, isn't it? We're to teach them. Show them gently
1: what we're saying and why. To teach. Don't quarrel. Gently teach them. And leave the results up to God. As we do
0: these things, we cleanse ourselves from the dirt and the grime of this world. We become more useful to and for the Lord. My grandfather always said, clean your tools when you're done with them. That's why I still have some of his tools that I use. I was actually using them, some of them yesterday. If you want to be useful to the master, if you want our church to be useful to the master, you need to cleanse yourself, you need to flee from youthful desires and run the godliness. So here's my question: how useful are you for the Lord? If you say not much,
1: Welcome to the group. There's a way to become very useful. And that is to cleanse yourself. So what do you need to clean up? To be useful to the mass. What do we need to clean up as a church? To be useful to the mass. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for today.
0: Father, I pray that you would forgive us. For the times that you've wanted to use us as individuals and as a church, but you couldn't because we weren't clean. We weren't prepared. We weren't willing to do what you're asking us to do. Father, I pray that you would forgive us. Pray that you'd forgive us of our heart and our mind in all of that. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd help us to cleanse ourselves. That we would become useful to the master.
1: For your glory and your honor. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.